When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. everybody how you doing well that's good you're listening to phly flyers that's right phly my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games on this uh, phenomenal phly flyers friday and i am joined not only by philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter charlie o'connor but representing broad street hockey that's right it's a crossover day stephalicious d steph driver what is going on down in atlanta stephanie Hey guys, it's Red October down here too. And I just have to say, I'm not going to talk about the Phillies. I want to talk about who the hell Sean Walker is. Who is that person? I've never seen him before (laughs) in my life. Hey, everyone is learning that this guy actually is pretty good, including the Flyers, I think. I think there were some people in the organization that thought he was good, but I think there were others who were just like, yeah, I guess we'll take him on, sure. I mean, they must sell it. I assume the way these things work, like with the trade, the three-way trade that they made, it's like... All right, here's like two or three guys we're willing to make part of this. And they went, Sean Walker, that sounds like a real guy. Yeah. Like someone in the organization probably knew who he was, but it wouldn't shock me if Danny Briere wasn't that guy. I mean, you they, know? they knew who he was. I mean, yes. Beyond. My, my, my understanding is that there were at least a couple people in the organization that were high on him. However, they were high on the player he used to be before injuries kind of put a halt to his career and, and put him on the back burner in terms of where he fit in LA. Well, then he fits right in here. No, but, but seriously, like, again, this is a point that I think is going to come up a lot on this show when we're discussing why the Flyers are off to a hot start. A guy like Sean Walker, you know, you're hearing some people being like, well, how did you not know he was going to be good? It's not that we didn't know he could be good. It's that we knew he was good a few years ago. He hasn't been that good recently because of injuries. And now it looks like he's the guy he was before the injuries. He's not the only one who looks to be the guy he was before the injuries. But just like if you if you just look at the context of how they acquired Sean Walker, Los Angeles, a team that has high aspirations this year, got rid of basically for nothing yes. a potential top four right-handed defenseman. Well, <laughs> you would think a team in contention would want that guy. Exactly. If he was any good, it wouldn't, like, it's not crazy to be like, oh, well, he must suck. Like, it's not crazy <laughs> to believe that if they thought it. Like, yeah. they're the team that's trying to win a cup. This is fair. Uh, but it, it's good fortune to the Flyers that he is here. Uh, and I just have a very simple question to start today's show, but that was an excellent Excellent start, Steph. Um, winning. We're professionals. Is it good or bad? <laughs> I think it's good. <laughs> Can confirm. It is the goal of a hockey team to win games. It is not the goal of many Flyers fans, however. Well, can I make a point here about that? I have a feeling that the fans who are actively a lot not all but a lot of the fans who go on social media and yell and scream that they're screwing all this up because they're winning i suspect a lot of them are not the fans that are actually watching the games because generally speaking the fans and 
employee people who are employed to to cover the team the fans who are watching the games would generally prefer to watch a team that doesn't suck it's the people who are not paying attention to the flyers on television but are just on social media because they're like well i want the team to be good again so then when they get real good i can start watching them again that are the ones that are the most vocal about they should be losing every game because they don't want to watch it they just want to jump back on the bandwagon three years later when the team's a cup contender and this is a conversation i had a lot with big daddy graham when i was on overnights with him during the sixers process it was like "Eh, i understand it but when a player in a philadelphia jersey puts up a shot I want it to go in. <laughs> and like, it is hard to like lose that mindset. Like I would love for them to go. Oh, and 82 get Mac on Celebrini and be off to the races. That would be fine. But when I'm watching the games, yeah. I like the flyers. And when the flyers do something good, I can't bring myself to be like, ah, shit. Exactly. Like, you know, like it's, it's very difficult to have that mindset. Even if you know, maybe deep down, this is the way to get to the place we want to be. I'm enjoying this. What about you, Steph? Yeah, so my answer is yes. Like, it's good and it's bad. (laughs) It's very easily both. So they started off hot last year, too, which a lot of people forget because the Eagles were good, the Phillies were good, no one cared about the Flyers, and the Sixers weren't even playing yet. Um, It's it's a good place to be in when no one cares about the Flyers because there's no stakes. There's low stakes. So whether they win or whether they lose – as long as they're not playing really bad hockey, like it's going to be fun for us. We know that they're not going to be good, but we may as well get these points earlier this year before they gut the whole team for the trade deadline. And this was something uh, Charlie and I talked about on post game last night. It's something that's come up. They did get off to the exact same record last year. They were three, one and oh, they got to, I think five, two and oh, before it really just became, you know what it became. Um, but this just feels a little different. Like last year it was Carter Hart killing it. And the rest of the team kind of just not looking very good. But that's hockey. Sometimes you get goalied. They were goalieing teams. Yeah. Last year, first four games, they were outshot 141-113. That's about 35 and a quarter to 28 and a quarter per game this year they're out shooting opponents 125 112 it's about 31 and a quarter to 28 they are out playing teams and outside of the ottawa game where they just got curb stomped (laughs) like they have looked particularly like they have been the considerably better team in their three wins it's not like they're eking them out it's you look at the games in all three zones they've been the better team that they've in the three games they've won uh, is that crazy to say? No. And let me Edmonton, jump in I think, here. Was, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Steph. So Charlie already mentioned it, but I'm just going to give him the chance to really dig in here. We mentioned Sean Walker and how he's coming back from injury. Let's talk about Sean Couturier and, and Cam Atkinson. Like, I think that they are, they're making the biggest impact. Yeah. I, I think Couturier is just huge. And it, again, this goes back to why, the expectation was that the team wasn't going to be very good because while it was possible going into the season that Sean Couturier was going to be pre-injury Sean Couturier, it was possible that Cam Atkinson was going to come back and still be a good version, a 25-30 goal version of Cam Atkinson. It was possible that Travis Sanheim was going to step into a number one defenseman role and do pretty well. It wasn't, I I would say all of those things were below 50% likelihood if you're being honest with yourself and so far in this organization, yeah, in this organization, there was like a 4.20% chance of that happening. But the thing is, is that so far, and again, we're through four games, but so far things are breaking the flyers way. A lot of things seem to be breaking the flyers way. Carter Hart is playing really well. And He's still the starting goalie. He's not suspended yet. So there's a lot of things that are breaking the Flyers' way so far. Look, it's early. There's a lot of time for this to go bad. I do think, and this this is <laughs> for all of you out there, because I see I saw someone in the comments already who was like, "I disagree. I watch the games and I I actively want them to lose." <laughs> Listen, I get it. I understand, but like it's. It's tough. Like it's it is tough to have that. But if you are one of those people that wants them to lose, 
it's probably going to happen, and it could very well start happening like this week. Well, one theory that I've had, and I actually I talked to Scott Lawton about this a few days ago, and he he thought there was probably something to it, is that teams that are are an aggressive forechecking club that they tend to do better at the starts of seasons. Because, and this is exactly what the Flyers dealt with with Ottawa, because that was where I had the conversation with, with Lawton, was that, you know, if you just forecheck and pressure the hell out of a team, in the early season, guys aren't at their sharpest. They don't have a ton of chemistry yet. They maybe have new line mates. They have new teammates. They have a new system they're learning and whatnot. And if you just pressure that team, they're more likely to turn the puck over and you're more likely to get goals. But when you get to like game 40, game 50, game 60, everybody's playing at peak level pace. Everybody's played themselves into the, the season. Then suddenly that's when the talent really starts to win out. And I, I think that may be happening a little bit to the Flyers right now. They certainly are in better shape than most teams because of how hard John Torrell works you in camp, how hard you have to work in the summer to survive a John Tuarella <laughs> camp. Like the Flyers are probably better conditioned than most. The teams Flyers right are probably playing the best hockey they're going to play. Not to say that they're going to fall off and things are going to be a disaster. They could like, it's the Flyers. That's possible. It might not even be that they fall off. It might be like, that other teams, other teams get teams better. Get, yeah, yeah. Other teams just catch up. Like they're probably playing at peak efficiency right now. Like this Maybe is the, not peak, but they're, they're, but they're playing very well as compared to a lot of their opponents. Like, the disparity, it's going, they're going to catch up at some point. That's my guess. Uh, but it is good to see Couturier back. And Sean, uh, Sean, Charlie wrote an article about Sean Couturier. It's not Sean. No. Charlie <laughs> wrote an article about Sean Couturier that you can check out at allphilly.com. I tweeted it out a little bit earlier ago from our, uh, from the PHLY Flyers account. It's all about his return, shutting down Connor McDavid. That play to set up that uh, shorthanded goal last night. I mean, how many guys even strip Connor McDavid on the power play, let alone get yeah. it going the other way? Uh, so that was pretty sick. Uh, but uh, we got to get to the news of the day here. Mark Stahl, we talked about this last night. He got injured. You saved me from looking like a fool because I was like, oh, he only played like seven <laughs> minutes. Totally forgot. I watched him get injured <laughs> and was like, got to mention that. And I was like, Charlie, he only played seven. Is he coming out? You're like, yeah, he got hurt. He got hurt. He missed so, the entire second yeah. half of the game. <laughs> so, I was like, okay. Uh, so Mark Stahl is out injured, and he's going to miss a reported four to six weeks. We believe this could open up opportunity for both Zamula and Andre, but let us not forget Rasmus Ristolainen should be returning to the lineup shortly. Do we know anything about that before we get into the idea of a stall being out and all that yeah well i was able to confirm this morning that their the initial belief within the organization is that mark saw is going to miss extensive time it's not a season-ending injury but we're talking about like at least a month so yeah you know number one i want to be clear i never root for guys to get injured i actually was quickly becoming a mark stall defender on this show but <laughs> there is part of me that is a little bit like i i, I don't want to say it's a bad way to put it, but I'm just relieved that I no longer have to deal with 20 people on Twitter a day yelling at me about why Mark Stahl is still playing. Like, it just makes my life a little bit less annoying because that was getting really, really freaking annoying. I do. I do now see why Dave Isaac would get so frustrated because <laughs> it's like people yelling at me like Andre needs to be in every night. I'm like, I want to you think I don't want him in. I'll let the coach know, I guess next time I talk to John, when we go out to lunch, I'll be like, Hey pal, you, uh, you want to get email in a little bit? Like <laughs> you think I have any control over this? I'd be playing if I did like, I, and, uh, not anymore, but back in the day. Sure. But yeah, so, <laughs> so stall, it looks like he's going to be out for at least a month. Ristolainen, I was always told, and and really now it's just kind of process of elimination here. I was told at the beginning of this week that the expectation was that he would be back sometime this week. He's still skating. He hasn't had a setback. There's only one more game left this week. It would make sense then that he will be back on Saturday. So in the short term, presumably Risto just comes in for stall. They keep doing this Zamola-Andre rotation. They're about to go on the road, so you need a seventh defenseman for a road trip. You keep Andre, probably play Zamula on Saturday, maybe play Andre against against Vegas next week. Then you get home, you make a decision. But so it doesn't solve the logjam because all it really does is replace 
stall with Ristolainen. But what it does do is it it makes you avoid an even worse logjam. Because when Risto came back, then suddenly it was, how are we going to get either of these kids in the lineup if they insist upon keeping Stahl in the lineup, if they don't want to scratch Sealer? Sean Walker, I think we're all in agreement, has, has earned a place as an every night starter. So he's kind of out of it. But it was going to get really difficult to keep the kids playing as much as they wanted the kids to be playing when Ristolainen came back. Now, it's basically just going to be status quo where they're going to be exactly where they were before, except now people don't have to complain about Mark Stahl every day. And that's... That feels uh, extremely concerning (laughs) that that they're trying to make room for Mark Stahl and Rasmus Ristolainen at the expense of the kids. Like, that's they're not talented enough. These are bums. Why are we trying to fit them in, wedge them into the lineup when we have Zamula and Andre? It, it's you're it's clearly stuck. frustrating for a lot of people on you're lineup, stuck with hey. Risto because of Chuck Fletcher you're stuck with him and they had no idea Mark's or they had no idea Andre was going to make this team and if Stahl had not been hurt I would have begun advocating a little bit it's time for Andre to go down because yeah. looking at the minutes last night now they like you said on a road trip you need seven. Right. Like, what are you going to, okay, well, we just sent him to Lehigh. Now we got to fly him out. Like, they, we play in Vegas at 11 p.m. on yeah. Tuesday. Let's get him on a red eye, I guess. Uh, but it's, <laughs> uh, looking at the minutes last night, Stahl got hurt five minutes into the second period. Andre only played 317 in the second. And then in the third, played 237. I realize he's a rookie. He is a mistake-prone rookie. And they are trying to protect a lead against the most offensively dynamic team we've seen since like their counterparts 30 years and ago. He was, he was also at least in part, if not one of the primary reasons why Edmonton scored their only goal of the night, because he got like what one shift against Connor McDavid's line and immediately messed up. Like he wasn't ready for that. But matchup. if that's, if the, if the bar is you screwed up against McDavid, it's like, okay, the best player of all time. He scored, like they scored. If the bar, all right, well, now you're not playing. Then you don't believe he's ready. Send him down. Like, I like this idea of like John Tortorella wants a hand in Andre's development. He sees something in this kid and he thinks he's maybe better off here than he is in the AHL. Not to say anything bad about that coaching staff, but it's John Tortorella. Like dude's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. He wants a hand in this guy's development. Okay. That's fine for now, but man, we get a month into this thing and he's still playing maybe every other night and playing 10 minutes. I don't see how that helps him. I'm with you. No, I completely and agree. I- Yeah, I mean, I'm of the opinion with Andre that, and I've expressed this from the start, which is part of the reason why it wasn't, I wasn't the one who was like, we got to play Andre. Like, if he's here, you got to play him. But I didn't think Andre should have made the team in the first place. So it's hard for me to get super angry that he's not in every night when I don't think he's ready for the NHL yet anyway. That said, like, to me, the solution here is that, okay, Igor Zamola, when he plays, looks real friggin' good. Like, looks like a legitimate NHL defenseman. I want him in the lineup every night. When Emil Andre plays, he shows flashes. I still believe in this guy's talent. I'm still high on him as a prospect. But I don't look at him and say he needs to be in here every night because, quite frankly, he doesn't look ready to me. So send him down to the AHL. Let him get 22, 23 minutes a night and like learning the angles of North American hockey, learning how to make plays on the smaller ice service and, and, and learning how to deal with the fact that, you know, puck pursuers are on you quicker because the ice is smaller. Learn that down there. In the meantime, let Igor Zamula get top four minutes. I mean, now that Stahl's gone, I don't know, stick him with Ristolainen and yeah. stick him with Walker. Like, I like that like, idea let, a lot. Let's, <laughs> let's see what this Zamula kid can do in serious minutes, and let's let's deal with the growing pain, sure. But to me, he's earned it. Andre, I, I in no way, shape, or form is this a critique of him as a prospect. I still think he's going to be legit. I just don't think he's quite ready yet. I think he'd benefit more from being down in the AHL. Listen, yeah, I completely I think... agree. It's more important for them to, sorry, guys. It's more important for them to get big minutes than it is for them to to sit around. Uh, getting used to the smaller ice surface, I think, is really important for Andre. Like, let's just get him playing. But my point was, like, why, if we're rebuilding, we want to play the kids. We know what Risto is. We know what Mark Stahl is. 
let's get the kids in more frequently. That's just what the point was. I actually have not been paying enough attention. I thought Risto was a healthy scratch, so he's been injured. Yeah, he's been out. So the he got banged up at the end of camp, essentially. And I, I pushed Tortorella yesterday on, or yesterday, two days ago. Again, time isn't real. A couple of days ago, I pushed him on the idea of, are you being extra careful with Risto because we already have this because log jam. we already have this log jam and towards base said, no, we just want to make sure that when Risto comes back, he doesn't get banged up again. He's not in and out of the lineup. I think there's probably that's mostly true, but I think the urgency, like to me, this is a situation where if it's the playoffs, Risto is playing. If they're in a playoff race, uh, Risto is playing play with broken ribs yeah. and like, like paralyzed arms in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, but uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the coach's decision-making. And uh, listen, I think we could all stand to be a little healthier and make better decisions, especially this time of year oh, when, we go. when maybe a lot of us might be drinking our calories and carbs on a semi-nightly basis as our fightings uh, make their play for a world championship. And that's where Hero Bread comes in. No matter what you're looking to make yourself, there's Hero Bread options for you. Hero makes uh, sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available on Hero.co and Amazon. I've been, a, been on a big quesadilla kick lately. I'm a big fan of the Hero Tortillas. And uh, Kelly Hinkle, not here today, but she is an endorser of the Hero Bread. She was kind of so disappointed. She was kind of disappointed <laughs> to see that we had this read today. She's like, I use that product. I, want, <laughs> I could actually contribute. Kelly gives a, a two thumbs up to Hero Bread. Uh, all of their products, though, have hit the spot for me because Hero Bread has great taste and texture. It's soft, fluffy, and delicious. And right now, Hero Bread is running a promotion for PHLY listeners. Discount code for first purchase: PHLY ten percent off at Hero.co. That's right, Hero. Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O.co to save 10% today. And if you're in that, if you're in that money-saving mood, you gotta check out Shady Rays. That's right. Gear up for the season ahead. Uh, with quality shades built to last, our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and world-class optics for all outdoor adventures. And if you're into winter sports, their quick, quick swap snow lenses switch easily from full sun to low light. Don't let changing light conditions slow you down on the slopes when all you need is shady rays snow goggles boom i am a i'm a sunglasses guy spend a lot of money on it and i feel like a damn fool uh because we got these uh we got these shady rays and i am a big fan and that's not all shady rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or broken replacements if you lose or break your pair even on day one they told us they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase if you don't love your shady rays exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days there's no risk when you shop their team always has your back with personal and fast support so exclusively for our listeners, this is the part you want to listen to. Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. You guys just go for a while. I need to take hey, a nap. Uh, yeah, I, actually, one thing I did want to mention because <laughs> it looks like we're we're coming up on the the reintroduction of Rastus versus the line. No, I know Steph said she'd rather not see Risto in the lineup. I actually, I'm actually kind of, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm kind of excited to see Risto line and play this year. Charlie's been body snatched. Well, see, here's the thing. How much have they have paid you to say that? I know, right? Exactly. I, I've I've actually been bought and paid for by the Flyers. <laughs> Keith Jones, corporate shrill. Keith Jones, corporate shrill. That's me. No, look, I've been extremely critical of Raster Salonen for the vast majority of his career. The vast majority of his career. Last year was the first time in his career where he made a legitimate step forward statistically. 
he worked in my mind really really hard to remake his game he didn't score a ton of points although he did score more in the second half of the year but by the numbers he was a legitimately effective defensive defenseman now is he worth the cap hit they're paying him no probably not he's probably not worth that much especially if he's only going to give you like 18 to 22 points a year in this new role but he looked like a legitimately useful like number four number five defenseman who is basically like kind of ish like prime era Justin Braun before he got real old I want to see if he can do that again now I don't know we have a long sample size of Rasmus Line and being a bad NHL defenseman. We have three quarters of a year of Rasmus Line and being a pretty good NHL defenseman. It's very possible that he regresses back to his his previous level of play. But sometimes players make legitimate, sustainable changes. I want to see if this is the new Risto because if this is the new Risto, I won't hate watching him play anymore the way I did the first year he was with the Flyers, the way I did whenever I happened to stumble across the Buffalo Sabres game. So I'm intrigued. Now, do I think that he is part of the future in the same way that like an Emil Andre or Igor Zamul is? No, probably not. You know, he's under contract for a few more years to be sure, but his contract will be coming to an end around the time I'm expecting the Flyers to be turning the corner, hopefully. But he could be a piece for now. And if he's a decent enough defenseman, if this is who he is, hey, maybe that gives you an opportunity to two, three years down the line when you have a couple more young defensemen up. Maybe you can get some real value for him back in a trade. You never know. Steph, I think some team, some team out there is dying to see playoff Risto. I would love to see Uh, playoff Someone must be. (laughs) <laughs> someone's gotta be right uh you know th- what i keep thinking about is luke shed is still playing in the nhl like we've yeah. seen like that style improved. of defenseman come and go out of favor with the nhl in the past 20 or so years if he can still find a space on a team. Rasmus Ristolainen is better than luke shen like that's kind of where my brain goes <laughs> how much better i'm not sure but better so some <laughs> team out there is going to want a Ristolainen at the trade deadline so if we can showcase him and show like yeah he's good with the kid I think that would be beneficial for everyone but like I hear what you're saying he wasn't terrible last season but the rest of the team was so uh, yeah I yeah I, I mean I don't know the thing the thing with Risto is that I'm certainly I would very much be in favor of them looking around to see if they could get something for him and trade. Given the fact that Keith Jones is the president of hockey operations and he is one of Ristolainen's biggest fans, I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. I also think that, you know, look, they're, they're very much trying to not recreate, but they're trying to still have vestiges of the old way the Flyers used to play. And Ristolainen, with the way he hits, with the way he plays, he is kind of that throwback type. So I think at least in the here and now, I don't think they're going to be looking to ship him out at the first sign. But what I'm saying is that like, okay, let's say that Igor Zamola establishes himself as a legit top four defenseman. You've got Cam York. Travis Sanheim, if he keeps playing this well, ain't going anywhere. Anywhere. Emil Andre shows up. Let's say they draft a guy in the first round next year, and he looks like he can make the jump after a year or two. Oliver Bonk makes the jump. Suddenly, you're running out of spaces, and then maybe two, three years down the road, if this is the new Risto, if Risto is slightly more expensive Justin Braun, except a better skater, then if you have to make a move to move somebody out to fit these kids who are ready to take the leap, suddenly Ristolainen has trade value. And I want to see him continue what he did last year and be a useful number four, number five, physical defensive defenseman. That would be cool. It'd be cool in the short term because he won't make my eyes bleed anymore when I watch him. And it'll be good in the long term because if you need to make a move, he'll have actual value on the market. Just in terms of... Trade value. I do think, as Steph said, maybe he'd have some value at the deadline this year. But I don't know how interested anyone is in three more years after this season of 5.1 for, if you were a playoff team, a third-pair defenseman. And I don't know how interested the Flyers are in 
clogging up a retention spot yeah. for the next three and a half seasons. Yeah, but it, but in two Thanks, and a half Chuck. years, maybe. No, when the cap goes up, yeah. I think there will be a much bigger appetite. Like 5.1 will look like three in a couple of years. Fair. Like, and then maybe you don't have to retain as full 50% or whatever. Like, you might actually be able to move him, but I don't think that's coming up in the near future. Uh, I do want to get to these. Oh, I did. I, I already made my 420 joke for the day. I do want to congratulate Travis Sandheim on a last night was his 420th NHL game. Congrats, Sandheim. Hey, but I want to move it's on. Pretty nice. Actually. It is. I want to move on to this, uh, this forward rotation that the Flyers have been going through. Um, not so much a rotation right now. <laughs> it's it's Forster and Brink in. Bobby Brink gets his first point of the season last night on a, a nice assist. Could have had a wraparound goal on either on side either of the post. net, <laughs> uh, but it was not to be. Does pick up the assist. Frost is the odd man out, and when's he drawn back in? Like after a team beats up Vancouver and then especially Edmonton, like outplays them considerably. Can't imagine the coach is all that interested and be like, well, got to switch up my lineup. Um, what's What do we think is going to happen with Morgan Frost at this point? I have absolutely no idea, but I got to tell you, that Farabee goal from Brink was just gorgeous. I want them to continue building that chemistry together. Morgan Frost, I want to throw away that entire draft. Like, can we just pretend that it was a different year that we had all of those people there? I want to throw away that whole draft. It was all in Tippett second overall. It worked out. <laughs> okay. That's not what happened. Okay. Prove it. <laughs> it's very easy for me to prove it. I don't accept that evidence. <laughs> I, I agree though, Sam. Brink Brink's been great. And it was awesome, I think, to uh because on Tuesday I thought Brink had a great game. And I thought Brink did not get rewarded for his great game. I know John Tortorella gave him credit, so he got rewarded by his coach. But he didn't get rewarded on the score sheet. And it was really awesome to see him get rewarded so early yesterday with that really fantastic play between him and Farabee. I mean, that was great by both of those guys. Yeah, yeah it was beautiful. And, and the Edmonton defenseman... Sorry, the Edmonton defenseman, I can't remember who it was, but I, I I definitely remember laughing at them. Like they just completely blew their assignment. But it was it was beautiful. Like it was such a nice play. Yeah, and with regards to Frost, look, he's gonna get back in eventually. I do not think when they scratched him, they expected the Flyers to kick the crap out of Vancouver and then kick the crap even worse out of the freaking Edmonds and Oilers who are one of maybe like the four or five top favorites to win the Stanley cup this year. I don't see them bringing frost back in on Saturday after two straight games like that. Like I, I know the, the counter argument is, well, they're rotating the defensemen, So why can't they rotate in the forwards fair, but they've established very clearly that the defense, the rookie defensemen are in a, you get one game, you get the other game rotation. That's, established that's accepted everyone knows the rookies know everybody knows i think they really do value the idea of keeping the line chemistry together especially when they play this well over two straight games so i would be surprised if frost comes back on saturday now do i think he's going to sit for weeks no he's he's clearly a useful nhl player he's young enough to potentially be part of the solution and as we saw with mark stall today guys get hurt and when guys get hurt guys come back in it I don't expect the forward core to stay this healthy all year. Again, we're only four games into the season. But I do think it's fair to say that right now, Frost is out of favor. And it's going to take something from the team, whether it's an injury or whether it's a bad game, to get him back in. Because right now, they're just going to keep rolling with what's working. Do you and we think... talked all summer about how there was really no room for him. So we're seeing that. We're seeing that happen. Yeah, I mean, especially with somebody like Brink. Like, yes, for, like Frost plays the middle, Brink, Brink's a winger, Forrest is the winger. But there's only so many top nine spots. And the fact that you have a guy like Lawton who can, do, who can, who can yeah. shift over, that does kind of render the positional aspect kind of null and void because Lawton might be a natural winger, but you can sit somebody, move Lawton over to center, and then boom, you have Forrester and Brink in the lineup. The thing that's interesting to me, and I'm curious to hear, to hear your guys' thoughts on this, like Brink is playing great. He deserves to be in every night. 
Tyson Forrester is not invisible. Last he night. isn't doing. I don't think I heard his name once. It's not that he's been actively bad. Like it's not. I, I wouldn't put him on the same level as Andre. No, he's where, not fucking up. Yeah, constantly. where Andre's making big mistakes. He's making plays, but he's making big mistakes. Forrester just isn't doing much, and I do wonder when it gets to the point where you say, okay, even if we keep winning, Tyson ain't doing a lot. Let's bring Morgan back in for Tyson. The one thing that that gives me pause on that is that I think John Tortorella likes Tyson Forrester a lot more than he likes Morgan. And this Frost. is this is what we know. Like he's gonna give his guys the, that opportunity, and someone who might not be his guy, like Morgan Frost, first sign of trouble, you're out, pal. One thing I do want to ask: I was thinking about this last night because I think we were all a little underwhelmed at Owen Tippett's first couple of games, and it, like it's it's six periods of hockey. Like, oh, man, he didn't look good for, you know, but 120 minutes. What's going to happen? But do you think maybe it's a mark against Frost that both Tippett and Frost, when together, looked underwhelming? And basically, since Frost has come out of the lineup, Tippett has looked more like last year's Owen Tippett. And it's like, yeah, so he wasn't only just not making plays for him. He might have been holding Owen Tippett back a little bit, and we know the coach likes Owen Tippett a lot. Like that's just something I was thinking about because I, I had nothing but praise for Tippett in yeah. the post game last night. Hmm. I was impressed with him. That that's an interesting point. I didn't even think of that. Truly, I, that didn't even register to me. But that's a good point because yeah, Tippett the first couple of games was pretty <laughs> underwhelming. They had good chemistry last year, so you think, hey, let's reunite them. It's whatever something we wanted to see. Yeah, we wanted to those see those two, and specifically those two together. Yeah, I, that's a good point, and and that very well could be one of the the things that that Tortorella in his head is sort of dinging Frost for is that hey the the minute we took Owen Tippett away from him now Owen Tippett looks like Owen Tippett again so I don't know you know I I know Steph I know you haven't been a uh, a particularly big Morgan Frost person for for a long time I I, I want him to show me. More, we talked about it all summer that, you know, the second half of last year, he definitely showed something. He showed he's a useful NHL player, but he didn't necessarily show me that he is, he needs to be a piece on the next great Flyers team. I want him to get that chance, but I'm not at the point where I I need to force it. You know, I, I don't feel like he's, he's necessarily earned like special treatment if that makes sense as step where, where like we don't need at? to make room for him is that what you're like yeah if there's not a spot for him so be it that's kind of where Steph? i'm at right now yeah that's kind of exactly where i am he's not a kid anymore he's like 25 like he need we know what he is at this point and what he is is a guy that cannot be reliably trusted for 82 games to have huge offensive potential like we know what he is he's he is an nhl player but He's, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. So if if we're talking about what the future of this team looks like, I don't think Frost is part of it. But Forrester is, so let's keep getting him minutes. He's been – he has not been good. He has not been good. But I think we expected that. I think the hope was that Forrester would show a little bit more because obviously Brink's showing a lot more than Forrester. So it's not like rookies can't have an early impact. But I agree with you that, you know, Forrester is younger. Forrester, it's hard for me to say if he has a higher upside than Frost because I kind of view them both similarly that if they both were to hit, they're both probably second liners. I don't think either of them have star potential, but I think they could both be legitimate scorers. That said, you know, Forrester does seem, he seems more exciting at the moment just because, number one, he's newer, he's younger, but also because, I, I don't know, I really truly do go back and forth with Morgan Frost because you see it sometimes. You saw it the second half of last year that he can score. Shit, his first career goal, man. Yeah, like, like that that backhand on Bob where he just walked the line and shelved it. Like yeah. not many dudes in the Flyers the last couple of years been able to do something like that. The, the talent's there, and I'm not willing to go as far as Steph and say that I'm certain that he's just a guy. He's he is older, but he's not so old that I don't think it's possible he could take a further leap. And, and I think that, you know, he's 24. We saw, we've seen 24, 25 year olds take a leap and become better. We saw in the second half of last year that there's something there that he can score. He scored a lot of even strength. He looked like a, a guy who was kind of in that 2C, 3C borderline. So I'm not ready to throw it away. 
I'm just not, I, I don't feel the need to, to, you know, to force feed it. I don't feel, I feel like Frost can wait. He can wait and someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to struggle. He's going to get his shot. But I just don't feel the urgency with Frost to be like, we need to get him back in the lineup because he's so goddamn important. I don't, I think he's fine. I think he has the potential to be good, but I don't feel the necessity to like, to, I don't feel the same necessity that I feel for guys like Brink and Forrester where it's like, they need to play. They need to play. I don't think Morgan Frost needs to play. I'd like to see him in there, but I'd like to see him in there when they can get him in there. It's not like, oh my God, you got to get him in there. That's just my personal feeling right now on Morgan Frost. Now we- Yeah, uh... the development stage is kind of done. Like we know what he is. We know what to expect when he's on. Like we can expect good things from Morgan Frost when he's having good games and has consistent support. Like he's good, but he's not consistent. Yeah, and, and and Ash in the comment section just made a point. You know, isn't isn't Cutter Gauthier going to pencil into his spot going forward anyway? It's certainly you possible. Think, yeah. I mean, if he sticks at center, and, and that's another thing where you're like, does Morgan Frost have a spot? Especially, when we talked about this earlier in the show, especially if Sean Couturier is Sean Couturier again. Because then suddenly you're looking at it as, okay, well, we've got Sean Couturier is looking like the sulky contender Sean Couturier that doesn't look like this injury sapped anything from him. Noah Cates is very clearly, number one, he's Tortorella's guy. Number two, he's just a way better two-way player than Morgan Frost is. And then you have Cutter Gauthier. If Cutter Gauthier is a center, then it becomes, That's right, it. well, it's like, okay, do we move Frost over to wing? Like, where does he actually fit? And I think that plays into why I just don't feel that same sense of urgency to figure, like, look, if Frost bangs the door down and makes it clear via his play that, you need to make me a part of this because I'm real freaking good. That'll be awesome. Beautiful. And, and that'll great be, problem that, to have. that's a great problem to have. And the Flyers will have to figure it out. I want to see that happen because number one, it's good when good when when the Flyers have more good players. Number two, and this is where I'll, I'll let my personal things fall into it. Like Morgan Frost is a good kid. He's a really nice kid. I would like to see him succeed. I would like to see him succeed in Philadelphia. But I don't look at him as a piece that needs to succeed for the Flyers to get to where I want them to be. You know what I mean? I think now that I'm kind of talking my way through it, I think that's really where I'm at is that Frost is to me, his development is more a nice to have rather than a, we need him to work for this to work. So we didn't do a uh, show on Monday. Excuse me. We didn't do a show on Monday, so there was no Monday mailbag. So today I went into the Diehards Discord and asked for a few uh, asked for a few questions for the panel. And now it seems like a pretty good time to bring up this question from a uh, Jcheem ninety. If Frost is the odd guy out, which we're kind of saying at this point right now, he is. And looking looking ahead, like Cutter Gauthier could be on this team as you know this spring. Could very well be okay. Well, well, he's taking your spot too, Frost. If he's the odd guy out, does he have any trade value right now? Yes, I think so. He's 24, he's on a cheap contract. He can clearly play NHL center at a capable level. I, I think, yeah, I think he has trade value. Do I think he they would get a first round pick back for him? No, no, I don't think he's on that level, but he's certainly not a guy they would have to pay to get rid of. He's on a cheap contract. He's got value. And another team, I mean, I think the Flyers still view Morgan Frost as a guy who has untapped potential. I think there are certainly other teams in the league that would view Morgan Frost as a guy that, hey, maybe we can get more out of him. I know we bring this guy's name up a lot, in part because they just hired him back, but there could be another team that thinks that Morgan Frost could be their Patrick Sharp. Absolutely. <laughs> there, you brought up Patrick brought Sharp up this time. time. It's not us. Yep. Uh, we have to take a quick timeout. To shoehorn in a couple of ads here. <laughs> uh, you, need to, you need to refresh a little I bit. Did, too. I got something going on with my throat today. It's just from all this, you know, talking every day nonsense. And cheering uh, for the Phillies. And it, I've it's heard really that you might be cheering for the Phillies. It's yeah. mostly from losing my voice at Citizens Bank <laughs> Park. I, let's let's be honest Respect. here. Uh, we're, we're talking about getting these guys in. We're talking about getting them suited up for game time. 
it's a little stressful, but buying tickets to your favorite events, that should never be stressful. And that's where the Game Time app comes in. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Uh, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And when you're heading to that game, you know, before the game, maybe even during, you like a little live betting, you want to do it. With DraftKings Sportsbook, the NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets and DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code PHLY only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right. Only one left. We're making, we're making good time with this. Love that. And uh, I think we've had the Morgan Frost conversation we're going to have. He's going to draw back into the lineup at some point. But I'm, I'm not in a huge hurry either. This Damn. isn't... Uh, is, I like the kid. I want to see it work, but I, I want to see Bobby Brink and Tyson Forster more, personally. I, I do think that, and, and going back to what I was saying about the urgency, I guess, and I know they really aren't that related, but I guess my like my feeling of they have to get something out of Frost, it just became less urgent once they drafted Mitchkoff because my thing was like, they need... A game-changing playmaker, and Frost is their best chance to have that guy. Even Cutter Gauthier, he's more of a of a goal scorer than a real like he, he's not a bad passer, but he's not that kind of game-breaking type, super creative guy. Now they have Mitchkov coming. It's sort of like, yeah, it'd be great if Morgan Frost <laughs> hits and is legit and is a a fifty-point guy that you can play in your middle six. But if he's not, you know, Mave Mitchkov can run the power play. That that's fine. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Uh, I want to move on to I want to move on to Carter Hart. He has started all four games thus far. He's three one and zero with a nine twenty nine save percentage, two oh one goals against. Pretty pretty good. Hey-o. Is he's taking a step? Like right now, listen. They gave up twenty five shots to Edmonton or twenty five to Vancouver. I think twenty three. To Edmonton, yeah, sounds right. like this is they're playing very good team defense right now. I would say, but is he taking the step from the number one goalie we believed him to be to now franchise goalie, that next level for himself? Are you seeing that, or is it just more a product of the full team playing fairly well over these first four? William, William, William. It's four games. I'm asking, like, <laughs> are you seeing him in a different light than you did at the end of last season? Not really. Okay. He's, he's played well. That's all. But to it's me, a question. To me, inquiring if he, minds. If he's doing this and if he has a 929 save percentage at game 55, 
Yes, I will see him in a different light. But right now, I'm looking at a guy who's off to a good start. He's I, I undeniably off to a good start. Got the shutout earlier this week. Has shiny numbers. I do think that you're right in saying that a lot of this is driven by the quality of the team's play in front of him. That said, I don't want to minimize it. He's played well. He's made the saves he has to make. But it's four games. I'm not ready to say he's taking the leap into stardom yet. He's just, to me, he's what he is. He's what he has been, which is a good starting goalie. I, I was on um, I was on a, a radio show yesterday in Edmonton, and they, they asked me about Carter Hart, about is he ever going to get back to what he was? And I basically said, look, like, I think he's been back for the last two years. You might, from afar, look at his, his stats and say, ah, you know, he's not that great. Sub 9, 10 save percentage the last two years was real bad the year before that. To me... He had the real, real bad year right after the uh, the pandemic. Undoubtedly that. bad season. That was awful. The last two years, if he was on a good team that wasn't a total dumpster fire in front of him, he's probably putting up, you know, 918, 920 save percentages because he's a good starting goalie. It's just that the Flyers were a tire fire, so they deflated his numbers. Now, through four games, the Flyers haven't been a tire fire, and his numbers look good. That To me, that's the only difference. It's weird how that happens. And I'm really glad that you answered that one first because I was not I was not ready to tackle the there's it's been four games. The sample size is so small. But I know I know you know we've been waiting for this Hockey Canada report to come out and we've been waiting for it for years now and the reason why we keep tying it back to Carter Hart is because he was on that Team Canada team. He's the only flyer that was on that Team Canada team. So we're constantly waiting for the second shoe to fall. Like, where's where's that last shoe? Where's that last boot? It's going to drop because we're Flyers fans. Like, we're just waiting for something bad to happen to our dude, and that's what we can see coming. But I think it's super important to get him some rest. He should not have been playing all four of these games. Yeah, I, I think, to me, it's less important. Like, yeah... You definitely don't want him to be playing every single game. Those days are done. But to me, it's less important because there hasn't been back-to-backs. It's less important that he needs to get rest and more important that I want to see Sam Erickson yeah. play. Like, this is They're a guy, high on this yeah, guy. Yeah, this is a guy who who they really do think is going to be potentially a, a starting NHL goalie. Now, whether that's here or somewhere else, I guess we'll see how the heart situation plays out on mo- multiple levels, both his contract and the Hockey Canada thing, as, as Steph noted. But they're high on Erickson. And what it boils down to is if you're high on this guy, you got to play him. To me, Erickson has to play one of these games on the road trip, not because Carter Hart's played bad. Carter Hart's been very good. Carter Hart deserves to play. But if you're going to keep a prospect that you're high on as your backup, you got to play him too. So to me, I mean, I would probably play him on Saturday against Dallas. If I don't play him on Saturday, I'm playing him against Vegas next week. Like, Erickson needs to play. It's not saying anything negative about Carter Hart. It's just saying that if you wanted to have a backup who was never going to play, you should have you should have sent Erickson down yeah. and just had Felix Sanders be the backup. Um, Steph, you know, earlier in the show, Charlie mentioned he hasn't been suspended yet. Steph, you brought up the Hockey Canada thing. Do you both see this as I do, like this black cloud looming over the organization? Like, I don't think it's I'm, over the organization, but it's definitely over Hart. I think over it's over Hart. the NHL. Like, as long as, and maybe Sam Erson is like the dude and it's not going to matter in terms of the team itself. But man, I just, I can't help but think every time I see Carter Hart do something well, I'm like, oh, nice. Okay. Ugh. Like what's... What am I going to be told about him? When am I going to be told? It just seems like this thing stopping me from like really getting on board with the idea that, oh no, he is ascending to this next level and he's going to be our guy for the next 10 years. And we always talk about the next great Flyers team. He's going to be a part of it. I, I just, I don't think they're doing themselves any favors right now, only playing him. When this could, listen, it could also never come out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a coin flip probably because it's it's hockey Canada. It's hockey culture. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, a star Canadian hockey player. We're, we're, we're on to year two of this. Yes. And it's we still not out. We have nothing. We have absolutely nothing. And it happened so many years ago. But I just ago. feel, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to say guilt, but like, I, I just, 
I don't want this looming. <laughs> you know what? This whole thing just sucks. Yes. And like number one, the the entire incident really fucking oh, sucks. Oh, that's but but it, it it sucks on so many levels in the here and now too because. You look at like let's look at the two possible options, like not options, two possible outcomes here. Okay, if Carter Hart was involved in the bad things that happen, then it just really freaking sucks because a guy who the fans grew to really love and view as part of the future turns out he did a really really terrible presented thing. Presented himself yeah. as a really good young man. Yeah, and like, he did. Yeah, and, and that's awful. But on the flip side of that, the fact that this is still lingering, like. It's not if Carter Hart legitimately did nothing wrong and was not involved and was not in the room, whatever. It really friggin sucks for him that this, this comes up every time yeah, we mention that, him. that every time we talk every about Carter Hart and every time, time he has a good game. Yeah, it's unfair to him that he hasn't been cleared yet and that the NHL is just like, well, we'll let you know eventually. Like it's just it, it's a shitty situation all around because both scenarios suck. The, the 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 scenario that he's involved obviously sucks worse. But if he wasn't involved, I feel really bad for the guy because instead of us talking about Carter Hart having a nine twenty nine save percentage and maybe taking that leap, we're saying you know this is great. But what happens if he gets suspended in a couple of weeks? Like it's just it's just a shitty situation all around. Yeah, completely agree. And there is a victim here. It's not us, and it's not the team it's not the fans but that doesn't mean that it doesn't suck for us too like it sucks for us because we don't know what to expect and how to analyze the future of the player like we just don't know when this is so uncertain yeah no and that's i think that always bears repeating steph like this is a show about the flyers so we're going to talk about the impact on the flyers but there are like yeah. real human beings yeah. here the accused, the vic like the victim, the all people who lives are or could be put into disarray over this. And like there's there's no winners in this situation. And yeah. the longer this goes, the less confident I am that there's ever gonna be any sort yeah. of resolution. Yeah. Which I guess we can just go, all right, well, head in the sand. They didn't tell me anything one way or the other. I guess that's how you deal with it as a sports fan, because these this shit happens. But uh, it does suck. Like, it sucks for all of us. It sucks for us having to talk about it. it. sucks for fans. People who bought his jersey are invested in the guy one way or the other. It's And him. Like, it, yeah, the whole thing is shit. Uh, I don't want to do... I don't want to go took, right into a... Like, he took the Flyers or Philadelphia out of his Instagram, and it sent our fan base into a tailspin. Like, that's not what we need to be focusing on this season. Like, I would really prefer for that report to come out from the NHL, tell us what happened and who was involved, and then, like, let's move on. Let's all yep. move on collectively. Agreed. I don't want to go right into the last read off of something heavy. Yeah, that, so that's a little I, too I wanna serious. Get to a, I want to get to one of the uh, the, the diehard Discord questions okay. uh, before I do the FOCO. Um, from from <laughs> get Aaron, your overalls. Yeah, <laughs> get your overalls. Uh, from Aaron in the uh, Flyers uh, Discord, do you think the Flyers' hearts, hot start can be attributed to the tough camp Torts put them through. It just seems like teams aren't prepared to fight through the Flyers' structure so far. I, I think I mentioned this earlier in the show that possibly it, it's it's impossible to know for certain. But I do think, like for example, and I talked to uh, to a few Edmonton writers up in the press box during the game yesterday, and they just said that. It seems like to start the year that this is a case of a team that's read their own newspaper clippings a little bit too much. And they read all summer that this is the year that you guys are the cup favorite. This is your time. And they've come into the season kind of with a little bit of a sense of entitlement. Like they got beat 8-1 in their opener yeah. by Vancouver, who the Flyers also handled. Yeah, that they just sort of think that it's going to be handed to them rather than they have to go out there and earn it. And say what you will about John Tortorella's methods, but he is going to make you earn it. And it's every day. It's, it's <laughs> interesting using the Edmonton uh, comparison. They just played, obviously, but like I heard that in the summer, Connor McDavid was kind of trying to really like almost like the John Tortorella thing. Like you better come in and shake mm. or you ain't going to make it. Like, guess what? If you aren't ready to go day one of camp, you might find yourself on waivers, even if you're an established guy. Like McDavid was really trying to take ownership of mm -hmm. this thing and push everybody. I don't know if they had a 
a torts level camp, but it seems as if they took the off season stuff pretty seriously. And here they are. Yeah. They're not, not looking good know, at all. <laughs> one of the most talented, if not the most talented team in the league, um, got waxed by Vancouver and on opening night and just got beaten up by the flyers. Who <laughs> Everyone said coming into the year was a bottom five team. Now maybe we just underrated the flyers and the impact Couturier and everyone would have, but like, I don't know. The the co-favorite to win the West probably shouldn't get beaten up by the Flyers at any point, regardless no. of context, you know? No, 100% agree on that front. And so, yeah, to answer Aaron's question. Aaron. Possible. It's certainly possible that it's helping, but I do think there's a lot more going on here than just, like, Tortorella's camp leads to Flyers playing well to start a season. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I at the very least, it clearly didn't hurt them. One way or the other, you got to say... Our fly guys, they're looking pretty good. And if you want to look good, you got to go with FOCO. Listen, FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. It's red October. You got to get your overalls, but they have so much more hoodies, hats, bags, everything you need for a game. Whether you're looking for team apparel or accessories, toys, collectibles, and novelty items, FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY. That's promo code PHLY for 10% off. FOCO, get your overalls. All right, got that in. And I just want to get to one last question. We can probably wrap up here. Uh, as predicted, we did not get to preview the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I didn't think I so. I will handle that on pregame tomorrow. Uh, but preview, they're really good. Yeah, they're uh, <laughs> freaking awesome. Another Jamie cup ben, favorite. Still good. Yeah, quite good. Uh, so he, uh, from Assassin2107, he said he wants maybe a question on the next step for Farabee. Like, is it just how do we really assess him this year? Is it X number of goals and points uh, after now he's had a full offseason to recover? Is it play driving, defensive impact? What should he be watching for to evaluate Farabee as the season goes on? Um. I, that's a tough question because I, kind of everything like I, to me, what's interesting about Farabee is I still don't know what he is and not just in terms of what his upside is, but I don't know what kind of player he's ultimately going to be. Like, is he just a scorer? Yeah. Is he a two way guy? Exactly. Like, I just don't know. So to me, this is a big year for Farabee to tell us what kind of player he wants to be, you know, do do they want to develop him into a guy who can score 35 goals a year? A, a scorer who you put next to a Couturier who can do the heavy defensive lifting and Farabee just scores a bunch. I don't know. That play with Bobby Brink uh, last night, that, that was a scorer's type play. I'd be cool with that. That said, he was drafted as more of a two-way like Justin Williams type. If he's going to be that, he needs to win more puck battles. He needs to get a little bit quicker. He needs to get stronger. He needs to be a little bit more conscientious defensively. So to me, it's less about like looking for one specific thing and more just watching him grow over the course of the year and seeing what he tells us he wants to become. That was an excellent answer. I have to just throw my hat, though. You, you've registered a hat trick today. You've mentioned Mishkov. Justin Williams and Patrick Sharp. Yes. That is the, uh, anyone playing along at home, three shots of tequila all around. Um, one thing I do want to point out before we uh, before we close this out, um, Melissa on our in our comment section said, you know, she always felt Farabee wasn't invested in the team. He looks a little different this year. Here's a point I will make. I have a feature coming in the next couple days. If the Flyers hadn't beaten up on the friggin' Oilers. I probably would have written it last <laughs> night for this morning, but I had to write on the game because, hey, they beat up on the friggin' Oilers. It was a story worth writing. I'm doing a feature I can't on Joel Farabee. You and do your job. I know, right? Well, what am I doing here? But I'm doing a feature on Joel Farabee in particular. The fact that he really is taking, I think, more of a leadership role on this team, both on the ice and off the ice. It's a fun story. I worked on it throughout camp. Um, let's just say there uh, there might be a new old city gang. Lose that as a little That's teaser. That's what everyone wants to hear. <laughs> I mean, uh, before we wrap up, we do have an announcement to make. Well, I mean, we've made the announcement right. already, but we have to remind you all, listen, today is Friday, October 20th. 
Next Saturday, the 28th, PHLY Flyers tailgate. Oh, we have the graphic. Hey, well yo. done, everybody. Uh, it's a, oh, so we do have a lot. We have we a, do. Uh, we I, have I, a I was location. To, you you yes. did all this. I was so able to speak with, with Flyers Public Relations this morning. It's going to be somewhere in Lot F. We'll have a more specific location for you guys as the week progresses, but expect it to be Lot F, which is, I believe I was told, it is one of the lots that is on the side um, closer to uh, like Xfinity, but also Lincoln Financial Field. So that general area, like near those fences, that area. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, the uh, the plan is for the tailgate to start around 10 a.m. Um, go until around 12:30. Bill and I will one o'clock game. Yep. Will obviously be there. It's the one o'clock game when they play the uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Um, the fact that. You know, we have the Houston Astros tying the series. If the Phillies can take care of business, win two more, maybe, just maybe, this could be a pregame not just for the Flyers, but a pregame for a Phillies World Series game, possibly. They might be scheduled to play on October 28th, too. So that could be fun. So I'm just very concerned that a- Charlie just said the Astros were tying it up. I'm very concerned. Please take it back. I mean, it would. It's not ideal, but it did happen. I cannot. I, I want the Strohs. You want the Strohs? Yeah. Well, if the Strohs were to win, the Phillies would have home field advantage, meaning exactly. that if they are to take care of business against the Arizona Diamondbacks, win two more games, they would be playing in Game Two at home on the 28th. So this could be a pregame, not just to the Flyers, but to a day of festivities around the sports complex, ending in hopefully a Phillies World Series win. Um, tailgate is completely free. We should have a registration thing as well. We will be having ticket giveaways next week from what I was told. And Dylan's Meats. And Dylan's Meats. Uh, Philaticus on Twitter, one of our good friends, is going to be cooking for us. Again, as I said a couple days ago, we're not talking... The same ab- burgers and Yeah, dogs. we're not talking about burgers and dogs. We're talking about like you know high-end steaks and really crazy Wagyu stuff so brisket potentially i i don't know i'm what not the gonna menu make the menu yet. for him don't know what the menu is yet. whatever we, he comes up with is gonna be fantastic we, we trust the meat master but really would love to see everybody out there as i said we're gonna have ticket giveaways i think we're gonna have some some free stuff as well we're gonna have drinks both alcoholic and non-alcoholic so please Stop by. We'll be promoting it all week. It's going to be, as I said, 10 a.m., starting at 10 a.m. next Saturday before the Flyers game. Even if you don't have tickets, feel free to stop by. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you to our guest, Steph Felicious D. Steph Driver, representing Broad Street Hockey. Hopefully we have the uh, full gang back together next week, but it's always good to get these crossover shows. All right, make sure you're following us on Twitter, you're following us on YouTube, uh, the podcast, all that stuff. Come to our tailgate on the 28th. Support our sponsors, etc. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Ring the bell, Phils. We all city like the mayor. 